Welcome back to the podcast. This is Charlotte, Creative and Technical Director here at Evidence for Faith. And can you believe we're just about halfway through January? I know I can't because I look at what podcasts I had to edit today and schedule and I realize, oh, hey, look, Michael recorded a New Year's podcast special. And oh, look, we're halfway through January and I still haven't posted it. So if you're like me and your year's starting out a little rough, (laughs) fear not, we're in this together. So as always, this broadcast is supported by listeners just like you. If you would like to help support this broadcast and keep it free, you can donate at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. That's evidence number four, faith.org slash give. And without further ado, here is Michael and the New Year special. Happy New Year, my friends. Happy New Year! Hey, it's Evidence for Faith. Michael Lane here, wishing you a Happy New Year. We're celebrating a new year, the year 2022 for us. And I want to focus on that holiday and some family and traditions, uh, family traditions and just uh, cultural traditions surrounding New Year holiday. Uh, Did you know that New Year's is the oldest holiday known? True. It dates back about 4,000 years ago to the ancient Babylonians. They celebrated New Year's, um, but it wasn't on January 1st. They celebrated New Year's on the first new moon of spring. Now, you might be wondering, why did they do that? Well, that's because that's when people would plant new crops and see flowers and plants come back to life. Uh, and the Babylonians celebrated the, holibre- the holiday for 11 days. You know, we have our 12 days of Christmas. They had their 11 days of New Year's, and each day had a certain theme with it. Sort of sounds like fun. Um, new Year's holiday it was also celebrated by the ancient Jews. God gave Moses and the Hebrews a calendar. It's a lunar-based calendar uh, there at Mount Sinai at uh, around 1450 BC. Now, Orthodox Jews still celebrate by using this ancient calendar today. According to the Jewish calendar, this is not the year 2022. This is the year 5,872. Yes, 5,872. Now, why that? Um, The number of the year of the Jewish calendar represents their starting point was what they believe was the years since God created. Um, And the way they calculated that is going back using the Tanakh, the Old Covenant, uh, Old Testament, and counting up the day or the years uh, by the genealogies of people. That's how they came up with this. But anyway, New Year's Day. Um, to the Jews is not called New Year's Day. It's called Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year uh, in Hebrew. And this past year, this past September, it was September 6th through the 8th. That's when this holiday started. And um, it's believed to be the month in, in which then God created the world. Um, and so in our calendar was in September. That starts their new year by this this calendar. Hence, another way to think about Rosh Hashanah is, is sort of like, ooh, the world's birthday. And that's sort of like the way that Orthodox Jews would sort of view it. Uh, but more on, on that holiday later. Uh, if, in, if ancient cultures celebrated New Year's on others' days, you might be wondering, well, how in the world did we come up with it on January 1st? I mean, to me, it makes sense. Uh, and to all of us, it'll make sense. That's January 1st. It's starting a whole new year. We have calendars based like that. But Why did it do that? Well, let me explain how New Year's got to be on January 1st. When the Romans came to power, they celebrated New Year's Day on March 1st. Uh, Yes, March 1st. Uh, This was because, again, of the spring season. 
But in 153 BC, the Roman king Numa Pontilius, uh, he, Pont, Pontilius, I'm sorry, Numa Pontilius chose to move the holiday to the day that they held their elections for officials in government. But sometimes they still held the holiday um, on March 1st, uh, and so it was it got a little confusing for them. They they did their, their holidays mostly in March, and so that was the new year. But in, in 46 BC, Julius Caesar changed the calendar and made it a, a permanent calendar, and January 1st would now be the first day of the year as long as the Romans ruled the world. It stayed like that. So, yeah, we moved from March first to now January 1st, but in 568 AD, the Christian church decided that they wanted to change the date again. They didn't like January 1st. Why? Because that was the way that the pagan Romans did it. And they decided to make, are you ready? December 25th, the first day of the year. But others in the church decided, no, I don't like going to December 25th because it has a pagan holiday associated with that. And so they, they switched it to, believe it or not, going back to March 1st. Some um, in the Roman era of the Roman Empire and stuff at this point was um, in this period of um, how the nations and stuff were existing, decided, well, we don't like March 1st. And some nations actually started doing March 25th. I mean, talk about confusing. No one could figure out, you know, what day it was going to be held. And, well, this continues for a while. By the time 1582 rolls around, a new calendar is made. It's called the Gregorian calendar. And it, again, starts with January 1st and makes that the first day of the year. But, again, some churches didn't like this change. And it took a couple of hundred years, believe it or not, to get everybody to agree on this. For instance, did you know that the British Empire did not accept this change to January 1st until the year 1752? Yes, 1752. And the American colonies, which were part of the British Empire at that time, we celebrated actually New Year's up, 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 up until 1752. We, we did it in March. And so it was in 1752 that even here in the Americas, we started then to celebrate the New Year's on January 1st. So that's how the New Year got us to be on January 1st. I mean, it took a long time, took centuries for this to happen. But um, now I want to talk a little bit here about how people celebrate New Year's. I spent some time researching and, and asking a lot of different families um, from different areas of the United States and places what special things they do for New Year's. Um, some of these are absolutely amazing and, and sort of fun. I almost wish that I would do some of these things too. Let me just give you a couple here. Uh, one common tradition is to make a resolution. I'm sure you've heard of this one. We're a promise on New Year's Day to keep for the following year. This actually dates back, believe it or not, all the way back to ancient Babylon. Today, we, many people still do this. They make a New Year's resolution, mostly about maybe losing weight or exercising or not smoking or drinking, whatever. Some people may be, oh, I'm going to get married this year, you know, whatever. But they make a resolution. Um, so it's a promise that they make. And like I say, it goes back to ancient Babylon. Um, toasting. 
How many of you have heard about toasting? As a matter of fact, I'm sure many of you listening probably toast um, at the stroke of midnight. Um, and so that dates back actually to the ancient Romans. And have you ever wondered where in the world did we get the word toast? with you know, drinking like that. Well, the word toasting actually comes from a ceremony from, uh, of placing a slice of, ready? Burnt bread in the drink to absorb sour tastes in the drink. Like in most cases, it was wine, a sour wine. And so um, wines have a tendency of turning a little sour in ancient times and things. And they put burnt bread at the bottom of this. And then they would keep pouring out glasses and toasting. And then the last person to drink um, it was his honor or her honor to eat this bread that is now saturated with all of this um, this sour um, sour liquid that they've been drinking, and that's why it's called toast. That's where the toast comes from. Yes, actually from burnt bread in the drink. Isn't that wild? Um, other common U.S. customs, just talking about some of our U.S. customs. How many of you watched a lighted ball fall from a tower in New York or in some other place? Some dropping of the ball is a, a big thing. And, and then we celebrate the day by having parades with made up of flower petals and, and other things. Or some people, New Year's Day, ooh, time to watch football. You know, there's all sorts of things like that. Well, let's get to some really interesting ones. In the New England area and also found out some areas in uh, Pennsylvania. It's where a lot of people um, of Dutch heritage came to settle their ancestry. These people on New Year's Day commonly eat donuts on New Year's Day. They believe that anything in the shape of a ring is good luck, so they eat donuts on New Year's to bring good fortune. Man, that sounds like a good one to me. I like that idea. Uh, people from the southern United States, uh, particularly southeastern, uh, they eat black-eyed peas cooked with a ham bone. Black-eyed peas being two different colors symbolizes the old year going out and the new year coming in. The ham bone or the ham meat that's put in there is supposed to resent, uh, represent good luck. Now, how you get a pig's butt to represent good luck, I don't know. Um, that's definitely not kosher even, but that's what it is. And uh, so the reason is believed that if you eat this meal, now here's the point of this, if you eat that meal, black-eyed peas with a ham bone in it, um, on New Year's Day, you will always have money in your pockets. You'll always have money in your pockets. The family I grew up in, this is how we celebrated when I was a kid. This is what we did. My dad would always you know, make sure my mom was going to have uh, black-eyed peas um, in the house for New Year's so and a ham uh, bone. And so we always had this. This was a standard thing, which um, I never quite understood. Like, um, I, But I guess it's true. We always had money in our pockets. Um, we never went absolutely poor uh, with no money. It came close sometimes, but that's the way it was. Now, that, like I say, that's in the South. My parents were sort of in Southern Illinois, but if you've ever been in Southern Illinois around uh, El Dorado, Shawneetown, Harrisburg, Muddy, and those kind of areas there, um, that is definitely, they, they talk with such a Southern accent. They, they talk more Southern than people in Tennessee. Anyway, Northern parts of the United States, up around um, some of the New England areas, but not quite there, but like New York in particular, a lot of people um, eat cabbage. Yes, New Year's cabbage is what they eat. Why? Because cabbage, it's even a, a synonym, a slang term for money because it means money. So they eat cabbage. They eat cabbage and hoping to get a lot of money for the coming years. So they, they eat a whole lot of cabbage. I don't know if it gets some money, probably gives them a lot of gas, but they 
do this as a as a, a tradition. Also, in the western parts of the United States, rice is very commonly eaten on this day. Rice represents luck. You know, you throw it, you used to throw it anyway during weddings and stuff for a good luck thing. But rice is eaten for luck. So they eat rice dishes on New Year's Day. Um, or how about, I'm sure you've all heard, maybe many of you did it this year, singing the song Old Lang Zai. Um, that I know if you've ever as a child this this song puzzled me the lyrics of it I just never understood but if you understand what the song means because old Lang Zai is not in English it's actually um, a song commonly sung on New Year's at the stroke of midnight but it's actually an old Scottish song it was written somewhere as far as I can find back in the uh, somewhere in the 1700s and like I say it's very confusing to people today but it literally means old long ago or another way of saying it, the good old days, you might say. And that's what this song is talking about as we sing Old Lang Syne. Um, how about blowing horns, pulling poppers and stuff, making you know noisemakers and stuff? It's common all over the U.S. at the stroke of midnight. If you watched any of the television premieres uh, or specials on the New Year celebrations, you know they're all blowing trumpets and things at that time. So that that's sort of goes back actually into Jew, uh, the Jewish holiday. Uh, matter of fact, let's, let's talk a little bit about this Jewish holiday for New Year's. It was called, as I said, Rosh Hashanah. Um, it also has another name. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. It's the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets. Now, let me explain how that holiday works and why it is important and what we can learn from this. The Feast of Trumpets is one of the major feasts recorded in the Old Covenant, the, the Tanakh, and it's a time of happiness. This is a celebration. Uh, the people are very happy. Matter of fact, some Jewish um, people that I know, they send out colorful greeting cards to other uh, family members and to friends to wish them a new year. And they do this. Remember, this was in September. Um, and they, they call it, um, these, these cards and stuff, and this new year is, uh, it's pronounced something like uh, Shana Tova which means good year, good year, a good year, Shana Tova. Now, there's two different types of trumpets that they blow at this holiday, um, and each of these are used for worshiping God. One is a long silver straight trumpet, um, a Hatzotzera, and Hatzotzera was a long straight trumpet. You've probably seen them in movies or in drawings and things like this. It was used during the days of the temple to sound over uh, when sacrifices are being offered. So in the days of Solomon's temple, they had 120 of these trumpets. And on this day, they're blowing them pretty much all day long. And that, so it was a very noisy holiday, just like ours is today. Another trumpet that the, the Jews use is called the shofar. The shofar is a curved ram's horn that is made into a trumpet. I'm actually holding one right now that I picked up in Israel. It's, uh, it has a very, very long history in the Bible besides being used as a trumpet for New Year's. Um, priests and Levites were very skilled at uh, sounding and playing the shofar because it is a difficult instrument to try and play different tunes and stuff like a trumpet to be. It, it is a difficult instrument to play. I am not a master of it whatsoever. I sometimes struggle just to make a sound in it. And they could make different types of sounds 
um, with this. And they each type of sound actually had a special meaning. Now I'm just going to blow mine here for a second and let you hear again. That's what I blew at the beginning of this lesson. Let me just blow my shofar for you again. Okay? Now, <laughs> yeah, I'm, if you had your volume up too high, I apologize for that. Um, on the, the Feast of Trumpet or New Year's, more than 100 priests would blow shofars hundreds of times throughout the day and the evening. They made different sounds with it at different times. And like I say, and each sound type had a, had a different meaning to it. So Rosh Hashanah is the New Year's celebration. And this, uh, but following this celebration came another holiday just 10 days later called Yom Kippur, um, or as we call it, most people will be uh, Christians um, are associated with the, the Day of Atonement, uh, which is the most holy day of the year. Now, like I say, there's 10 days in between. Now, these days that are between these two holidays, uh, the Day of Atonement um, and the earlier Rosh Hashanah, um, they, are, they are given a special name. They're called the Days of Awe. Awe, A-W-E in English. Um, what the Jews believed is that on New Year's Day, God opens the books, the books, plural, of judgment. There are three books that are opened during this time. One is called the Book of Life of the Wicked. Another is called the Book of Life for the Righteous. And then, believe it or not, there's uh, really the in-between, the Book of Life for the in-between. So those are the three books. Now, Jews, Orthodox Jews primarily, believe that God as judge will review each man's deed for the past, his deeds for the past year and determine which book he should be placed in. That's what's going on here in the days of awe. If a person is in the book of the, of the righteous, the person will be granted a prosperous year and will live through it. If the person is in the book of the wicked, the person will die sometime during the coming year. If a person is in the book of the in-between, the person has those 10 days between the two holidays to clean up their lives and get right with God. Now, you might be wondering, where did they get the idea that God had books and it records things like this? Actually, some of it comes from Scripture. Um, in Psalms, the book of Psalms 69, verse 28 says, Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. So it specifically says a book of life, yeah. And matter of fact, in Exodus, when God was giving Moses all this information, um, it's, it's mentioned in chapter 32, verses 32 to 33. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. So there's other scriptures too, that we know that God does have books that record things like this. Um, some verses that I mentioned besides these two is Psalm chapter uh, 87, verse 6. Uh, there's Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. There's Luke chapter 10, verse 20. The books of God are we've talked about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. And Revelation are talked about the most. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 13, verse 8, chapter 17, verse 8, chapter 20, verse 12, chapter 20, verse 15, chapter 21, verse 
27 and chapter 22, verse 19. We see this. And even, let me just read you one of these passages here in Revelation 20, 12 through 15. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged to what they had done as recorded in the books. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So God does indeed have bookkeepers that keep these things. And the Jews, now what they have done, though, they added a lot more rules and ideas. Uh, they, take, they took what God said, but then they added to it on their own and uh, through traditions and stuff. And part of this holiday has become more tradition than you will find in Scripture. So that's how this all got started and what's going on and, and why, how these days of awe are set up. But um, let me tell you more about these days of awe. There's some interesting ideas here that the Jews associate with this New Year time period. And first of all, they do a casting off ceremony. Now, if you grew up in a Jewish neighborhood or maybe even grew up Jewish, um, or if you are Jewish, um, I had a friend who was Jewish when I was in high school. And if you've lived in the neighborhood near them, you, you know probably what I'm going to say on some of this. You see, to, to the Jews who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, they think they have to do all sorts of rituals and ceremonies uh, to get rid of their sin and to get right with God. They can also pay alms to the poor to do this. So what they do is on New Year's Day, they gather near a body of water. Um, if you're on the coast, you go to the ocean, or on an island, you go to the ocean. A lake will suffice, a river, a pond, even swimming pools, a pool. And what they do is they get together at the, at the water's edge and they recite special prayers. It's a tradition thing. No, it's not found in scripture, but this is something that's found in their traditional writings. They also get all dressed up in Jewish attire for the ceremony. After praying, they will actually shake out their pockets or they will throw breadcrumbs into the water. Why? This is symbolic of them shaking off sins that they have done. So they put breadcrumbs in their pockets and then they shake them out during the ceremony. They get, they get an idea for this actually from Scripture. They do. Uh, in book of Micah, chapter 7, verse 19, it says, You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. See why they use a body of water? It's because of this, to cast the sins into the depths of the sea. So they take this literally and that's what they do in this ceremony. Second, like many of U.S. traditions, certain foods are eaten during this day. Like I said, in, at the beginning of this, when I was talking about different traditions, different cultures, whether it be donuts, black-eyed peas, rice, whatever, well, the Jews have traditions also. And common tradition is to eat apples dipped in honey. Now, that sounds good to me. Um, this is done in hopes of having a sweet year. Other fruits that they commonly eat at the, during this period of time are dates. I love those. Pomegranates, one of my favorite fruits. Pumpkin, leeks, grapes, and almonds. This is their New Year's meal. They also eat round loaves of bread called challah uh, bread. And this round loaf symbolizes a crown, like the crown that God, the king, wears. A third part, the Jews have a two-day reading service of scripture and reciting prayers. During this time, when they are reading scripture and praying, they blow the shofar over a hundred times each day. 
So this is a very, like I say, if you grew up near a Jewish neighborhood or something, this is a noisy holiday uh, with all these trumpets. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is like our traditional New Year celebration too in a lot of ways. I mean, think about this. We make resolutions, as I mentioned, some people will do this, to improve our lives for the coming year. Well, the Jews do a casting off ceremony, casting off the old bad ways and plan to do better the next year. We may not eat black-eyed peas, cabbage, or donuts, but the Jews have special food too, sweet fruit and honey in, in hopes of having a sweet new year. We blow horns and noisemakers and things like this and have party poppers and things at midnight. Well, the Jews blow the shofar over a hundred times. But the primary focus of Rosh Hashanah is the time of national repentance. You see, the days in awe are put into the calendar to focus on getting relationships right with God. You know, we can learn from this one. We can learn from this. This year, instead of just making or not making a New Year's resolution or a promise, let's all focus on how we can deepen our personal and intimate relationship with Almighty God. I mean, that's what he wants. How about let's do that instead of giving him a shopping list? Lord, how can I deepen my relationship with you? Hmm. Is there something holding you back from a close personal relationship with him? Maybe there's some sin that's blocking your way to actually serving him. What is it? What is it that keeps you and prevents you or hinders you from walking close with God and serving God? Let's all examine our relationship with our Creator. Let's take a moment at the beginning of this year to ponder if we need to cast off anything that is hindering our relationship with the one who died for us and rose again to prove who he is. On Rosh Hashanah, the Jews, Jewish New Year, yes, they sit and they blow trumpets. They stand to blow trumpets, actually, blowing the shofars. And as they do this, there's a sentence that is said, Hayom Harat Olam, which means today is the birthday of the world. So take some time and think and ponder on all this as we go into a new year. Thank you so much for joining me on Evidence for Faith, and I hope you enjoyed and learned something from this. But more importantly, I hope that this will help you develop a deeper relationship with God who loves you and cares about you and even died for you. So until we meet again, have a happy new year. Take care and God bless. I hope you enjoyed that episode. A big thank you is due to our donors for making this ministry possible. Once again, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And help us keep this broadcast free. You can also support us by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review on this podcast. If you would like to hear Michael live, you can also check out our bookings calendar at evidenceforfaith.org or book your own event with Michael. So this is Charlotte signing off. I'll see you on the next episode.